0: So, well, it's great to, to hear you worship this morning and to hear um, what, what the Lord is doing as you worship. I just think how God is entering this place and how God is speaking to the hearts of those gathered here. Could I just, I know we just prayed, but let me pray one more time for us if that's okay. Father, in these next moments, I pray that you would speak. Lord, I don't don't know any magic words. I don't know any words that would change anything. And so this morning, I'm completely and utterly dependent upon you. For nothing I say will change anything or anyone or any part of our hearts. But Lord, it's when you show up and speak through us, uh, speak through me this morning, Lord, that, Lord, things can change in our hearts, both those gathered here and even my heart, Lord. So I pray that you would speak today. May our ears be open not to the words of the preacher, but to your Holy Spirit. May you speak this morning. May, Lord, we leave here changed because we've encountered you. Lord, as we look to your word, would you just speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Back in um, back before Thanksgiving, my family was looking for something to watch. I don't know if you ever go through those periods of just like, what are we going to watch? What are we going to watch? And we had we had finished all the things that we were watching online, and and, and so we we found a show uh, on on Hulu called Alone. I don't know if you've seen this show, but here's the concept in case you haven't. They take ten people, ten strangers, place them in some sort of uh, difficult place to live, even on an island. Uh, one A couple seasons was on an island up in Canada on Vancouver Island where it gets very cold and there's a lot of seawater and it's just not a hospitable place. And they tell the contestants, you can come and, and you, can, you can bring 10 items besides your clothing, you can bring 10 items that you'll need to, to feed yourself, to, to have shelter, to stay warm, to keep yourself hydrated. So so bring 10 items with you and we're going to give you a, a whole box of camera equipment and we're going to send you out into this pretty much uninhabitable place. And we want you to try to last as long as you can out in that uninhabitable place by yourself. There's not a lot of people, but there's some people that decided to take on this, this, uh, this crazy idea because uh, There's a half a million dollars involved. If you're the one that lasts the longest, they're going to give you a check for $500,000. I thought, man, that that would be life-changing for a lot of people. But here's the deal. You have to go up there, and you have to be alone. You have to go out into the woods and by yourself, either capture or catch your game. You have to provide shelter for yourself. If you're smart, you'll bring some sort of saw or axe. You're going to need it. You'll probably bring some sort of tarp, maybe some fishing line and some hooks. But you're going to have to figure out how to survive by yourself for as long as you can. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound very fun to me. I don't like the idea of having to, I'm kind of partial to, to the grocery store. Do you know what I mean? I kind of like going to the grocery store and just picking up the chicken or the hamburger meat or whatever it is that we're going to eat. It's kind of nice. I'm kind of partial to living indoors. I like a nice sturdy roof if a storm comes. I, I like the, 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 the heat in this kind of temperature and the air conditioning in the summer. Anybody else with me? Yeah, I, I just have gotten used to a lot of amenities, Like electricity, we take it so for granted that when we walk over and flip the switch, it's just going to come on, right? How many of you took a hot shower today? Just turn the the the, 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 the knob in the shower just to the right point, and the hot water just comes out after a few seconds, right? But can you imagine having to bathe in the cold water for as long as you can, and going out in that same cold water and trying to catch fish? Or setting up traps to catch your game. I don't know about you, but when's the last time you plucked a chicken? Never have I ever, right? When's the last time you, you, you've skinned what you're going to eat for dinner? Never have I ever, right? I, but I tell you, the thing that would get me the most is I have to be by myself for as long as I can handle it. I said to my wife at some point, I said, how long do you think you could make it? And she said, I don't know, but not very long. She said, what about you? I said, I'd probably um, get till I could just see them on the horizon. I'd be like, hey, never mind. i changed my mind. Come back and get me. Right? And and, and to be honest with you, I'm an introvert. I enjoy spending time. I get energy spending time by myself. But golly, I don't know if I want to be in the woods by myself. But here's the scariest part. These woods that they're dropping these folks off in, there's wolves and bears. Uh, We're up to season three now, and there's cougars. No thanks. Do you know what you get to defend yourself with? They've got some real nice bear spray that you can just spray at the bear. No thanks. No, I'll pass. I don't care if there is a half a million dollars involved because, like I said, I'm going to last till I can just see them on the horizon in that boat and be like, never mind, come back. I, I don't want to be out here by myself. I watched with interest as a, as a therapist. That's what I do on a day-to-day basis. I watched and I thought, what is it gonna, what's going to happen to these people as they stay out there by themselves for so long? I think it was in season two. There's a guy... I don't know. I don't know that I would have the courage to show this part, but he recorded himself. He found a rock and he knelt down at that rock. He had been there 50 some odd days at that point by himself. He had lost a lot of weight. His face was kind of looking, looking like it had sunken in some. And he knelt at that rock and he said, God, Please help me not to go crazy. I can't stand it anymore that I don't have anyone to talk to. The hardest challenge, believe it or not, wasn't the bears or the cougars. It wasn't catching your own food or purifying your own water. It wasn't building shelter or even staying warm. For most contestants, the the problem really is being alone. Because it doesn't take very long if we're alone to realize we need someone else besides us. Even people who are introverts realize that I want to be by myself. I need it for energy, but I need other people. Anyone remember the the movie Castaway? And Tom Hanks' character is stranded on a desert island? That's the first thing I thought of when I started watching Alone. What do you get? Remember the volleyball washed up and he's like, finally, someone to talk to. And he paints a face on Wilson and he gives it a name. That kind of being alone is not good for us. You know, psychology knows that if you want to induce hallucinations and you don't have the drugs to do that, the easiest way for someone to begin to hallucinate is to put them in solitary confinement. If I'm not interacting with other people, it doesn't take the mind long to start inventing that I'm hearing and seeing other people. You know, we use solitary confinement in in the prison to be punishment. But honestly, it's one of the oldest torture techniques known for warfare. Put someone away. In the absence of others, the mind will begin to hear and see and do things that it would have never normally done. You see, I believe this morning that God created us for connection. We need one another. Do you remember back in Genesis chapter 2 what God said of Adam? He had created Adam, and he'd created all the place for Adam to live that we call the Garden of Eden. And he looked at Adam, and do you remember what he said? It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a suitable helper. You know what? I think if we're all honest, we know that we need other people. In our DNA, we know we need other people. But we live at a really odd time in our world. A time where we recognize that we need others, but often these times lead us to we lead such busy, chaotic lives in these moments that sometimes we feel that we just don't like being around people. I won't ask you to raise your hand if you've been there this morning, but um, I'm sure that I'm not the only one that's felt that. You ever been driving somewhere and thought, "What are wrong with all these people in the way they drive? I got a guy in this lane that won't go, and then I got a maniac in this lane that won't slow down. He's going to run us all over." Have you ever noticed that you're the only one that's driving the right speed on the highway? (laughs) What about this? I was driving the other night, coming home, and one of the places I turn, it's a double turn lane to turn right. And not long after you turn both those turn lanes, turns right, one of the lanes ends, and you have to merge over into a single lane. I watch the people around me, and I'm guilty of this, I'll be honest. Sometimes it's like jockeying for pole position, right? Like, how do we make all this work? But I want to be first. I want to be in front of that guy because what if he's too slow? But I don't want that maniac behind me. He'll run me over. This happens to us a lot. If we go somewhere to shop or eat, we go in and there's like three other people there. We're like, okay, good. Maybe we can just enjoy a quiet dinner. And then like half of Benton County shows up to the same restaurant we're at. And it's like, where did... Ah, people. Ah, let's just get our stuff and go home and eat, right? Forget it. What about this one? Ever said or heard someone else say, I'm just kind of peopled out. I just want to go home. We live in a world where we're more connected than ever by technology, and yet at the same time, we're so disconnected. Disconnected. We can know in an instance what's happen, happening halfway around the world, right? I guarantee you if, if some bomb dropped in the next 30 minutes, you, even sitting here paying attention in church, would know very, very quickly. And yet, sometimes we feel disconnected. You know, let me ask you a question. You can find out very quickly what's happening around the world, but when's the last time you talked to the neighbor next door? We live in a world where the ability to listen has been replaced by the desire and the practice of shutting everyone out. I can't be the only guy in the room that has a set of these this morning, right? These great little earbuds... I've watched people walk through the grocery store, both of them crammed in, 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 in each year, and these that I happen to have in my pocket have, have noise canceling. I can't hear anything outside. They're really nice if you're driving down the highway. You know, all that noise from the road, is has gone. But you know what else it also cancels out? Anybody else who might be in your car? Or anybody else that you might be talking to at the grocery store? or anybody else that you might work with. Psychology and sociology have been giving us a warning for years about about this idea of loneliness, and they've said that it's an epidemic in the United States. We're feeling isolated and disconnected at the risk of premature death as much as obesity and alcoholism combined. When we close the whole world out, we have as high a risk of death as obesity and alcoholism combine. The World Health Organization has also agreed that this idea of loneliness is troublesome and bothersome. The health impact of loneliness is worse than smoking 14 cigarettes per day, they say. Think about that. There's a strong link between loneliness, heart disease, stroke, dementia, and poor immune function. Being around people is not the same as being with people. As one person wrote, I'm surrounded by so many people every day, but I feel strangely disconnected from them. A 2018 survey of 20,000 Americans, almost half of them said they have not had a meaningful personal interaction on a daily basis in well over a month. Stop and think about that. How is it that we're more connected and yet less connected all at the same time? And maybe a better question this morning is, what is the cure? I have a friend that says it this way. He grew up in little old Pea Ridge, Arkansas. We were working around the church one day, and he said to me, Aaron, you know what's wrong with this old world? And I thought, I don't know what's coming, but I want to hear it. He said, the problem with this old world is we don't have porches anymore. And I thought, I said to him, "Um, you're going to have to explain that one to me. He said, we don't have porches anymore. He said, that's part of the problem with our world is we don't have porches. And I said, I don't get it. He said, when I grew up, we didn't have any air conditioning. He said, we were broke. We were really, really broke. We didn't have any air conditioning. He said, we'd sit on the front porch because that's where the cool breeze was in the evening. We'd sip lemonade and we'd talk to our neighbors. On Monday night, we'd be on these folks' porch. On Tuesday night, we'd be on those folks' porch. On Wednesday night, we were at church. On Thursday night, we were on these folks' porch. On Friday night, we were on somebody else's porch. We talked to each other all the time. He said, I think that's part of what's wrong with this world. I've thought a lot about that. I think he's right. We need more front porches. We need to talk to one another. We need intimacy. And let me be clear this morning. When I say intimacy, I hate the fact that the world has equated sex and intimacy. They're not the same. They're not. Intimacy is being close with someone, being fully and completely who I am in the presence of another without expecting them to tell me that I'm okay. It's such a close relationship that I just know that I'm okay because I know you and I've been with you and we've hung out together and you've been there through the hard times. We need each other. I believe that deep down in us, God has put this desire to be fully known, to be loved, to be accepted, and to be wanted. I made reference to it in Friday's email. We want to go to a place where everybody knows our name, right? We want to be somewhere where people, we're connected with people. God has made us that way. I was listening to a podcast this week, and The guy was talking about these blue zones that are places around the world. There's only one in the United States. But the one he spoke of was a blue zone in Okinawa, Japan. If you're not familiar with blue zones, what it is is the places in the world where people have the best life and live the longest and have the most longevity, not only in years, but their ability to function and do things. He told of a lady who was 104 who had lived long enough and was in such good enough shape that she still gardened on a daily basis. How many of you, if you're gonna to live to be 104, wish that you would be able to garden on a daily basis, right? I just wanna be able to do something if I'm gonna live that long. One of those places was Okinawa, Japan. And the, and the guy talked about these, this tradition of moai, M O A I. And I got to thinking about this, I don't know what this is, and so I did a little research. It's a tradition that started years and years and years and years and years ago that the elders of a community would help children find a community that they could be a part of, of four or five other children that would be a lifelong journey together. From childhood all the way into their hundreds if they lived that long. And here's the way this works. They come together on a da- either on a daily basis or four to five times a week. Every child, every adult, every grandparent, every senior adult, and to the most senior adults, to share resources, to experience life together, to talk, to share advice, to practice spirituality together to pull their resources, meeting together the needs of one another throughout that group. I I love the idea. And the author was saying one of the reasons why longevity in these blue regions of the world are are what they are, are primarily four things. Three of them you already know. Exercise, good nutrition, good hydration. But the fourth one, the fourth one, was this idea of community. I love that idea that we're going to live life together with one another, regardless of what happens. And then I got to thinking about it. This sounds a lot like something I know of the scriptures. In Acts chapter two, we get the church receiving the Holy Spirit in a new and a fresh way, the church is born. But right at the end of chapter two, there is this part. Acts 2, 42 to 47, if, if you have your Bible with you, if not, it's gonna be on the screen. Acts 2, uh, Acts 2, 42 through 47 gives us a picture of what's happening in the early church. Would you, would you look at that as, as I read it for us this morning? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Then catch this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I don't know about you, and I know that that you probably have never heard of this idea of Moai until I just brought it up to you. But when I hear that, I hear what God is doing in a little place called Okinawa, Japan. I hear God showing up, maybe in a way that they don't completely understand, and he's giving them this idea, this community, together. They shared bread. They prayed. They devoted themselves to, to the apostles' teaching. It sounds a lot like Moai to me. They sold possessions, they gave to one another, they were all together in one accord. It means they were all together, like, like, like they spent time together. But not only that, they loved one another, they rooted for one another, they were there for one another. You know what? When their kids married, I guarantee you, those people were there. When they buried a loved one, somebody was there. Their, their community, their, 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 their group was there with them all the time. Meeting together, it said, with, with, with glad and sincere hearts. And when they, when they came together, the scripture is very clear. And God added to their number daily, those who were being saved. You know what? I have to tell you, I, I don't know if there's a better, more clear picture of what the church should be. Because if you look back at the history of what's going on in that time, you know what? The early church is really just a rogue form of Judaism in this moment. It's just this, these people are saying, listen, Jesus, the Messiah, he not only was a prophet, he was the Messiah that we've been looking for. And people got really irritated with the early church over that. Matter of fact, they started disassociating with them. We're not doing business with you. You're one of those crazy Christians. Forget it. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Get out of here. Go away. No, 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 no. You can't worship in our synagogue anymore. You're one of those crazy Christ followers. Forget it. And so you know what the church did? They said, listen, we'll come together. We'll figure it out. God will bless us. This is what we believe that Christ was the Messiah. He's what Judaism's been looking for all these years. We just need to get together, and God will bless us as we begin to just share community together. You know what, church? That's what this is supposed to be. God... Gave them community. God provided community for a group of people that was being shunned by the rest of their culture. They were called weird. You know what? We use the word Christian all the time today like it's some great thing, but do you realize the first time it was ever used, it was an insult? Your little Christ ones, your little Christ followers, it was an insult when it was first used. Now we wear it as a badge of honor, honestly. Wasn't the way for the early church. They needed each other. They needed to lock arms and be together with each other. If you still have your Bible open, turn back with me to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. He had no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. A miserable business. Two are better than one. Because... They have good return on their labor. If one of them falls down, the other one can help them up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one stay warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly or easily broken. In other words, what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying is, one person by themselves is just not enough. The people on alone realize that somewhere around about day three, I don't know how long I can do this living on this piece of earth by myself. I need others a cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's an interesting, that's an interesting statement. The writer of Ecclesiastes is talking about if two fall down, one can help them up. Two people will make better labor than just one. Two people can defend themselves. Two people can be warm. And then he ends with this statement that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. I don't think he made a mistake. Greg talked to us last week about how if we're going to be in relationship with one another, it has to start with a relationship with God. You and I and God together, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. I don't know for sure exactly what the the, the writer of Ecclesiastes has in mind, but I kind of think that's what he was after. You and someone else and God, there is this strength in those numbers. So church, can I say to you this morning, we need each other. Boy, that'd have been a good place for an amen. We need each other. Can I tell you this morning, I need you. I need you. And I, maybe it's selfish of me, but I kind of think that a little bit, you all need me too, Right? There's this part that that God has put it in within us that we need one another. We can't live life alone. We need friends who check on us when we're ill, be there for us when we're down, call us to accountability, who will share their wisdom and knowledge and resources with us. I think my friend was right. The problem in our world is we don't have enough porches, we don't share life together anymore. We need to get together on a regular basis and be real with one another. Church, you're quiet this morning. We need to be real with one another. This place is a wonderful place of worship, but this morning, Sunday mornings won't get it done. We've got to be together, gathered together, sharing bread, praying, reading God's word, staying with one another, talking about the hard things of life. We need Moai, we need Moai, we need a community for our health, yes, but also for our life. We need a place where we can be authentically who we are, where I can pull off my mask and say, I'm a mess. I need help. We need a place where we can say, my family is falling apart. Or we're on the verge of divorce. Or I have an addiction. Or our finances are not good. Or my children don't know God. Or I've done something I shouldn't have done. We need a place where we can be real and say, I'm a huge mess and I need you to love me, even though I'm a mess. And we need a place when when we say that, we are deeply loved. We're not shunned, but we're loved and accepted. And, said, and someone will come alongside of us and say, let me walk with you. Let me help you. Let me be there for you. Can I tell you this morning, church, I think that's what our world is looking for. And we can be that place. But it's got to start here. It's got to start here. It's got to start in this building and in our homes and on phones with each other and over Zoom or however it gets done these days. But we have to be in community with each other. We have, to, we, we, we have to be in each other's lives to the point that, you know what? I know where you're broken and I love you anyway and I'm going to call you to accountability and I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to be there for you. But we have to be known. But we've got to get past this fear of saying, you know what? I can't tell you because you might not love me. Because this should be the place where we're loved and accepted. This should be the place where God works in us and through us. Because you know what? Where you're weak, I might be strong. And where you're strong, I might be weak. I need you, and you need me. If we're ever going to do that, we've got to put away that fear. Pastor Mal talked about this morning joining a community group, and that's a great place for us to start a great place for us to start if you're not a part of a community group you need to get to be a part of a community group you need to get in with someone who can love you and can call you to accountability and can walk with you i want to close with this story it was my very first church oh, i was young and dumb made plenty of mistakes the church was not in good shape when I went there, and I thought, "Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm 24 years old. I have no clue what I'm doing." God, would you just lead me? We weren't there very long, and the good folks of the church—they uh, put together a, a lunch after church. And um, that church was mostly one family, and then there was an older lady and her special ed son who were in that church. And we had gathered for, that, um, for that, that lunch that afternoon after church. And one of the dear ladies came up to me and she said, Pastor, listen, I, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I don't know how to say this, but um, you need to be careful. Okay, it's lunch. I've had it plenty of times. I'm like, what? And she said, well you know the older lady and her son? And I said, yes. And she said, she kind of hemmed and hawed and she was just, you, I could tell she was uncomfortable. She said, Pastor, they're, um, they're poor. And, well, I hate to tell you this, Pastor, but sometimes they get the food that they eat out of the garbage of what's thrown over at the, at the supermarket. And my heart just sank. I thought, oh, I got to do something about this. And she said, so, um, when, you go, when we go to lunch, I watch what they brought in and avoid that salad that has the cucumbers and the tomatoes in it because, well, they brought it. I didn't know what to say. I thought, Lord, what do I say? And then she caught me off guard with this phrase. She looked me right in the face and she said, we don't really need them, but we don't know how to get rid of them either. And my heart broke. Can I tell you this morning, church, there's nobody we don't need. There's nobody we don't need. I said to her, I said, well, you do what you want to. But I'm going to have tomato and cucumber salad at lunch today. And she said, what? I said, you know what? I need them to know that they're loved and valued just as much as you are. She shuffled off and she murmured something under her breath to this day. I still don't know what she said. But I thought, God, please, help me. Help me to always remember that we need each other. There's nobody that we don't need. This is the place where we have to be real with each other and love each other. Amen.